your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Good snap to him. Hangs one up. This is a pretty good kick. Spielman drifting over. Makes a backpedaling catch of the 25. Eludes attacker. He's got some room. 25, 30, 35, 40. Cutting back to the midfield. He's down the near sideline of the 40. 35, 30, 25, 40, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, J.D. Spielman from 75 yards. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. What a surprise. Michael Bennett suspended. Shocked. Shocked, I tell you. Stand up, dude, that guy. That's one way of putting it. I watched the uh, the E60 mm-hmm. on he and his brother Martellus a few years ago. I don't even want to know what a Christmas is like in that household. Oof. Like... It's impossible for me to imagine that someone doesn't end up bloody at the, at the Bennett family holiday gatherings yeah, every time. There's got to be like a feats of strength or something like that where there there's one chair for Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving lunch for two people. Winner stays. Loser gets ramen. <laughs> Boy, I mean... Yeah, he's a good player, but at 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 what po- at what point is it just not worth it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, not a shock, not a shock there at all. Coming up here this hour on the show, lots of Ireland talk. Huskers will play in Dublin, Ireland, t- in 2021 on August 28th against the Illinois Fighting Illini. Bill Moose, Nebraska athletic director, was nice enough to give us. A little bit of his time earlier today over at the press conference. So here, what is all behind this, uh, how it started, the benefits of it, uh, how it could benefit the football team, all that stuff uh, from Bill Moose. And Coach Frost addressed the media today, both about the game Overland Ireland, but also the, the current state of his football team and where they're at right now in the bye. So we'll get to that here this hour as well. Coming up in hour two of the show, it's our Nebraska Volleyball Radio Hour with the voice of Husker Volleyball, John Baylor, head volleyball coach John Cook, taking your your comments and questions from 7 to 8 o'clock tonight. Nate and I rejoin you at 8 for Top 10 Tuesday. We're going Top 10 with this Ireland talk. Top 10 cities you would want to watch a Husker game. Could be because of a stadium, because of a place you want to visit. Uh there's nothing off the table. So going to be interested to hear from Nate and Austin about uh, where they would like to go, where they would like to watch a Husker football game. We're also going to be joined tonight by Husker, former Husker wide receiver, current Cincinnati Bengal, Stanley Morgan. Had his first NFL catch uh, two Sundays ago. Uh, was held out of the stat column a couple of days ago. Last was able to get a catch against the Arizona Cardinals. And we're back to talk a little uh, Huskers in Ireland with John Anthony, who uh, does a good job of facilitating the logistics and really putting this event on and playing liaison between the, uh, the colleges and the universities in America and the, uh, the people of Ireland. So we'll get some more details on that. Of course, taking your calls and questions tonight, if you have any uh, further thoughts, some Minnesota hangover 
uh, concerns, questions, feel free to fire us up tonight on the Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. And, Nate, I was asked this question by a buddy uh, a couple of days ago, and it's, it's a good question. And obviously with the game with Minnesota, uh, there there's all kinds of concerns right now. But the, the question is, and I suppose to all of our listeners as well, what what concerns do you have based on what you've seen, not only against Minnesota, but this year with this team that you feel can realistically get fixed by the time Nebraska can can touch the field next? Or, you know, what issues are going to plague them the rest of the year? So my big two issues from the Minnesota game were continued struggles by the offense, continued inconsistency, and then the defense getting gashed on the ground. I think the latter can get fixed. You know, Scott Frost has talked about the run fits missing. I don't know that Nebraska's defensive line played anything resembling their best game against Minnesota on Saturday night. So I think Nebraska has a better chance of shoring up the run defense and being tougher against the run because we've seen it. There have only been a couple of teams that are really committed to running the football against Nebraska. You think of Minnesota, you think of Illinois. Colorado had a little success with it, but not a lot. So if a team commits to running the football, Nebraska's had trouble with it, but you feel with with what they have on the defensive line and at linebacker, they'll be able to be a little tougher against the run down the stretch. I'm worried that an offensive weapon hasn't emerged, or another offensive weapon other than Wandale Robinson and J.D. Spielman. Maurice Washington has regressed, seemingly, which is worrisome. You know, Diedrich Mills has been average at best to this point, and the rest of the wide receiver core is pretty easy to cover. And so how is this offense going to work with so few guys that really scare you? And you feel like that's going to be a problem, and that problem's exacerbated by the fact that the offensive line is still young and coming along. You feel like the line will get better as the year goes on, which will give the wide receivers a little more time to get open and all of that. But I, I just think they have so far to go that they're not going to get there by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all pretty, pretty valid concerns. I, I mean, I'm not – I'm not completely sold on the fact that O-line play is going to improve tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's worrisome. I mean, Bo Wilson, Matt Farniak, Brendan Hymas, they've played enough football now to kind of know. You know, really the only two guys you give that pass to are, are Cam Jurgens and Trent Hickson, you know, uh, of being able to improve from week seven mm-hmm. to the end of the year. Um, yeah, that's, that's certainly, uh, a big, a big question of mine. Here's the concern for me. And and you kind of mentioned it, the lack of, of playmakers in the receiving game to me, I, I mean, I've been as, as confident as anybody that somebody in that receiver room is going to step up, right? I've been so, I mean, my, my tone has been. This offense and the way that it's run just schematically is going to allow players to get open. Well, we're, we're past the point now where 
this is a, a coincidence. Like this, this is what gone from a coincidence to an issue. And when you look at the stats, Nate, just receiving wise, I mean, JD Spielman, 24 catches, 469 through the air. Wandale, 27 catches, 336 through the air. Jack Stoll, Maurice Washington, both over 10 catches. That, that's fine. To me, the concern is the next really three guys that I was looking at to take a huge step forward for this offense, you can almost count their receptions combined on two hands. Mm. Noah, seven catches. Mike Williams, three catches. Jerron Woodyard, one catch. Yeah. It, it, to me, it just it blows my mind how how it, we've made it this far into the year with the lack of production with those three guys in particular, and 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 that's something that I don't know gets fixed. I, I can't I can't see this num these numbers just all of a sudden turning around. I mean, we've seen Cade Warner for basically a half, and he's already almost he's halved the production of Conavai Noah. And he's already surpassed and tripled the output of the other guys. Yeah, it's worrisome. You you feel like any playbook issues should have been addressed in the last year for Jerron Woodyard and for Mike Williams. You would think those guys would have figured out how to block by now. Kind of I know is a little out of position as an outside receiver as opposed to an inside guy. But still, you would think some of what he did at Cal, what he was able to do, would transfer, and none of it has. And you're talking about three guys who are pretty late in their football careers. I would be more troubled with Darian Chase or somebody like that if he were a sophomore and he hadn't done anything. But you look at Noah Williams – and Jerron Woodyard, well, the throw clock's Javon, up. Throw Javon McQuitty in there, too. Javon McQuitty's in that group, too. Uh, the, the time's up for them, really, when you think about it. And, and as many wide receivers as you, as you play, I mean, think about it like a batting order. And you've got a three-hitter in J.D. Spielman who's got about a 300 average. you got Wandale Robinson who's hitting 300 with power. But your two-hitter's about 230, you know? And your leadoff hitter is hitting about 220. And the rest of the lineups around the Mendoza line. This is an easy d offense to defend right now. None of those wide receivers beyond Spielman and Wandale challenge other defenses. And, and so that leaves other guys off to help on those two. And, and just guy, you, you have wide receivers out there who aren't doing anything at all. And, and that's worrisome because – Part of the structure of this offense is to spread people out so you can win a battle one-on-one. -on -one. And Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard and Kunavainoa, they have the physical tools to win that one-on-one -on -one battle. Why aren't they? Yeah, I mean, and here's the other part, Nate, and I was on uh, with uh, our friend Nick Hanley earlier today and, and said, here, if you were to tell me the current status of Nebraska's offense right now during the bye week, with Adrian being out, Wandale being out, which we're expecting to be at least a couple of weeks, Maurice Washington being basically non-existent in the offense, and J.D. Spielman being banged up, and certainly not 100%. I'm thinking, oh, boy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is, this is, I mean, 
if you were to ask me this preseason where I'm expecting guys like Noah and Williams and Woodyard to contribute, I'm worried. Yeah. But then looking at those numbers that I just threw out there about the production of some of these other guys and then throwing the fact on top of it that these guys are hurt, what we're going to find out how creative this coaching staff is offensively to, to manufacture some offense because it's just it's hard to look at, at what we have have or have not accomplished through seven games and, and imagining any scoreboards getting lit up, especially considering some of the defenses we're going to flip, face to finish this thing out. No doubt about it. You, you worry at this point. Where Where is it going to come from offensively? I mean, the whole system of football that Scott Frost bu- uh, brought, and when we talk systems, usually the connotation is the either the offense or the defense, somewhat disconnected from the other. But Scott Frost's way of coaching football is that that offense feeds the defense and the defense feeds the offense the offense puts up a bunch of points and the defense has the has the advantage that the that the opposing offense feels like they're under pressure to score every single time opponent offenses aren't feeling that pressure right now because the offense has struggled so much and so it's a question of how does the staff get this offense going? We saw a little wrinkle of that against Ohio State with the I-formation stuff. We haven't really seen a lot of that since then. And so you wonder what wrinkles they're kicking out because the next two games are utterly huge. They're really probably your best two chances to get two more wins to ensure bowl eligibility so you get the extra month of practice and everything else. So... Scott talked about a one-game season last week against Minnesota. Not that he's probably going to go to the same rhetorical trick again because it didn't work, but it's really a two-game season for Nebraska to try to get those two wins. So what do you pull out of the bag? What, what do you find? What do you see scouring film with the extra time that those guys have this week? Yeah, in other words, teams are okay punting against Nebraska, mm-hmm. and ultimately they're fine with running the ball. You know, if Nebraska's scoring every possession or every other possession or at a higher clip, they're going to be throwing it a lot more than they are. And so, yeah, you take you take the fear out, and that's just a huge, huge concern. Nebraska has to find a way to get to six. We cannot go through another December or January without a bowl game. Just no. can't do it. Cannot do it. No, and you think of all the youth on this team, especially offensively, Lord, do they need another month of practice. Yep. And, and so – you got to find a way to get to a bowl game. For once, December in Detroit doesn't sound too bad. Right. Let's. I mean, let's. Hopefully, the bye week goes well. Number one, a lot of guys can get healthy. That that's that's the first step is get some of these guys back on the field where you're not feeling so hamstrung in terms of personnel, and then uh, hopefully the execution, uh, you know, is to follow and. You know, this team starts to, starts to turn it around here in the back half of the year. 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Did you know that eating healthier snacks can help keep your higher your hunger and energy levels steady throughout the day? Today's Healthy Husker Tip brought to you by United Healthcare and the Real Appeal Program. Learn more at realappeal.com. Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose joins us after the break.
Well, uh, a big up and positive for this program was announced yesterday that the Huskers would be playing overseas in Ireland to open the 2021 season. And earlier today over at the press conference, I was lucky enough to get a few minutes and sit down with Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. Just started out by asking him how it felt to finally have this out into the public and see how Husker fans reacted to this project he's been working on. Well, it feels great, and it's exciting. I'm really excited for our student-athletes, some of whom we don't even know who will be yet. But um, And for the university and for our fans, uh, it's a great uh, opportunity for us to showcase the University of Nebraska, not just on a national stage, but uh, on an international stage as well, and, and uh, give an opportunity for our great fans to uh, – hopefully come over and follow us and support us. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. You, your partner, John Anthony, uh, spoke a little bit about this already, but what, where did this start, I guess, I mean, with the, the, the original idea of, of concepting Nebraska to Ireland? Well, of course, there have been several of these games before, and uh, they've been very successful. Uh, I think the interest uh, that John had was in the Big Ten and to get a conference game over there. Uh, and then a lot of things had to fall into place and really a lot of hard work um, by John's people and, uh, of course, the uh, folks at Illinois as well. But uh, on my staff, we had to juggle the schedule. Um, we had to uh, uh, get some waivers from the Big Ten and the NC2A in regards to some schedule things. Um, and then, you know, Scott... Uh, and and his people had to be uh, uh, bought in as well. And, and originally, you know, I think Scott was thinking we don't need a lot of distractions. But when he saw the potential value of it, I think it uh, started to grow on him. And uh, in further discussions after he'd been here for a few months, uh, we together thought, hey, let's pursue this. And the cool part is it is a conference game. And so it, the game does matter, you know, a lot. Uh, so when, when, when the idea of doing a conference game over there, you mentioned some of the logistics already. How difficult was that then when you, once you found out that, you know, this is a, this is a game that's going to have some weight? Well, uh, a conference game does. It, it makes it that much more uh, interesting to the fans and also to uh, the folks that are, that are producing it uh, and putting the whole event on. But, uh, of course, I wanted to make sure that we did not take a home game away from our great fans. So we still are going to have seven home games that year. Um, and it's actually uh, Illinois' home game. So uh, we, um, we had to work through some things because our schedules are in place for three, four, five years down the road. And uh, so we had to juggle some things around so that it wouldn't enable us to uh, make that trip. We come by, we actually uh, worked it so that we have a bye the next week and, uh, and then go into a pretty tough stretch of uh, games that uh, will really test us. You mentioned Illinois. They're the other part of this. What was kind of their reaction? Of course, you've had to work closely with, with them and with Josh about what, what was going to be you know, from their side. What was their kind of reaction based on the preliminary talks? Josh uh, was very, very supportive of the concept, and he was, he was bought in uh, before we were. And so he and I had a lot of conversations, and he was encouraging me to uh, push it on our end. And uh, after I felt that we'd had everything worked out fine, it was uh, it was great to uh, see Josh actually when we were up there playing at Illinois a couple weeks ago and and shake hands and uh, get a grin on our face and away we go. 
now that it's that it's out and you've seen kind of Coach Frost's reaction, what the benefits for the football team? You mentioned just the experience for our players. A lot of these guys would never go to Dublin, but uh, you know what, what the football side of it, and and you know those players and those coaches. What's been the response you, you've received from them about getting to getting to experience something like this? Well, it's good, and it's a recruiting tool as well, and uh, to have an opportunity to not only go to bowl games uh, here in in uh, the United States, but also to begin a season uh, across the pond in, in Ireland. And, and I, and I got to emphasize also the uh, uh, value of having that uh, exclusive window to showcase Nebraska football, our athletic program, and more importantly, the university in the great state. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on televisions that are going to see the product that we have and also learn a lot about the University of Nebraska. So that's, that's uh, exciting as well and has a, has a huge value to it. Bill Moose is our guest here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Bill, there's going to be people listening right now that are going, okay, well, how do I get over there? And there, and it's it's an experience. There's a lot of other things that go with it. People aren't just going to go to Dublin for the game and, and come back. Um, through your learnings and findings of, of what type of experience this could be for our great fans, what have you found out and what would you encourage people listening to that are kind of on the fence and, and trying to make this commitment to hop over the pond? <laughs> well, they're uh... – their hospitality is unmatched, uh, from what I understand, and and eager to have Americans over there. Um, there uh, are a ton of Irish Americans. I mean, when you look back at uh, what our country is made up of, uh, there's a lot of Irish blood in the in the United States, and so uh, I know just talking to some of the people on my staff that are Irish, uh, they find a way to get here, you included, Ben, uh, to to get over there if they can, and. Uh, the, the countryside, uh, we've all seen pictures and seen movies and such, is gorgeous. The uh, culture is unique and uh, the music and, the, and uh, the, the food and all of that is uh, uh, something that I've, I have never experienced. I'm looking forward to going myself. But uh, don't, there's going to be travel packages and, and such that... Uh, hopefully can fit everybody's budget and uh, to get over there and not just to watch the Huskers play a conference game, but also to get to see the sights and meet the people of Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's truly just a, a, an, ex, an amazing, exciting thing. Um, now that the, the football part, and the, as we mentioned, this is already out in the public, what's next for you now? I mean, I'm sure there's still some loose ends that you need to tie up and you need to figure out logistics with travel and, and all that, but what's kind of what's next for you now that this, is, this has been laid out? Well, uh, we, we will solidify how many players we're going to take, how many staff, uh, families, all these kind of things. Uh, we, do, we will be in school. That will be the first week of school, so we're sensitive about missed class time. Uh, and then, you know, what our practice uh, regiment will be and those kind of things. We're, we're a ways away from it still. We, we've got uh, uh, half of this season left and another one that, that we'll be engaged in and before we, we start thinking too seriously about the details uh, of the actual game. But 
we want to get our fans signed up and and uh, we want to get as much exposure as we can and uh, really uh, make this an event that uh, Husker fans for years and years and years to come will remember. I still have people that uh, I visited with talk about the trip to Japan and the Coca-Cola Bowl, which is some time ago now. So uh, we want this to be that same type of experience. Bill, we'll let you go with this one. You know, last Saturday didn't go how any of us wanted to, but this has been a huge year already for your, your people, for the hard work, for the facility, and now to Ireland. When these types of things happen, a lot of kind of reflection is going to come up with people of, of kind of where Nebraska is at and, and where they're going. Is this is this where you, where you wanted to be? You know, you mentioned two years ago to the day, happy anniversary, by, by the way. Um, is it you know is this kind of what you saw? You bring in some of this stuff to Nebraska with a new facility, a new coach, and and, and now this opportunity to Ireland are you kind of on par with where you want to be yeah and and you know the theme of honoring the past and living the present and creating the future this is a piece of creating the future and uh, uh, we want to do the great things that we've done in the past and we want to, to at the same time create new things and and certainly a football game a big 10 football game in Ireland is uh, is coloring outside the lines and and that's good anything that can bring positive exposure to our university across the country and and now across the, the entire world is important and uh, I think that's part of my responsibility. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, it's hard to believe that it's so far away where people are going to be ripping off the, the calendar sheets <laughs> as this thing approaches. Well done uh, on this and I know people are going to be very excited. Congratulations and I guess we'll see you over the, overseas. Well, we'll see each other before then but I, hopefully you're going to be over there as well. Maybe see some of your ancestors. Thanks, Bill Moose, Nebraska Athletic Director with us here on Sports Nightly. Appreciate him joining us. Well, we've heard from a lot of people, haven't yet heard from the head football coach, Coach Frost. He addressed both Ireland and the current state of the team. Let's just start first with where things are at right now with this team and what he hopes to get done here during the bye week. We, we need to get we, – we talked this morning about getting better at fundamentals and basic things. Um, you know, I think we were all extremely disappointed after the last game. Uh, I probably watched both sides of the ball six times. Um, offensively, we were close. Um, I, didn't, I don't think we played poorly. We just made little mistakes here and there that you can't make. Our, our first drive, um, we busted on a couple plays on the last set of the last first down, or we should have scored on that drive. Uh, second drive, we had it down there again and took a sack. Um, wish I'd have had us in a different play on first down there. We can't take a sack down there. It cost us points. Um, third drive, we had it down to the four and had a penalty. Um, and even our two-minute drive, we got the drive started well, but jumped off sides at receiver before the ball was snapped. Yeah, you can't do those things in any game. You definitely can't do them on the road against a good team. Um, but some of the fundamentals just basics of blocking being in the right place on routes um, we're going back to the basics with that and same thing on defense um, you know I kind of had the impression coming off field we got pushed around a little up front when you watch the tape that didn't happen uh, we just misfit some things uh, guys were expecting somebody being a gap from the secondary from linebacker and four or five or six times they weren't there and they turned into big plays and um, we can't do well a lot of the time, but not consistently enough. Uh, and, and that's what happened Saturday. So we're, we're back to basics this week. 
Back to basics this week and these bye week practices. Obviously, you, you're afforded a little bit extra time on fundamentals. How does he want to use these practices? And through his experience, what are they like? You know, we're going to get a lot more good on good practice this week than we usually do. Uh, game week practices are usually on scout teams, so we can get the looks we want. Uh, this will give us an opportunity to see a lot more guys against the good guys on defense and vice versa. Um, you know, we're also going to give the young guys a lot of reps here and see if any of them are ready to uh, come out of redshirt and give us four games here at the end of the year and, and provide some help to us. So uh, this is a big opportunity for a lot of guys. Practice today. We're going to practice tomorrow morning uh, and then one more time Friday, and then we'll start getting ready for the next one. It will be interesting to see, uh, talking about some of those freshmen, of of who may be uh, on, the, on the cusp of seeing some playing time. Who does, of those freshmen, does he want to see step up? Any and all of them, honestly. Um, and I think there's a bunch, so it'd be hard for me to pick out just a couple. Uh, it'd be great to have a couple of the O-linemen, Piper, Ben Hart, and those guys start to give us um, give us some help. Uh, some skill guys, Ramirez Johnson still has a couple games to play in. I'm expecting him to help us down the stretch. Um, and, and guys on defense, too. You might see a bunch of the guys later in the year. Uh, defensive linemen like Masai Newsom and Ty Robinson and um, you know, again, there's too many to count, but if those guys are ready to play, we can seriously use the help in the depth right now. Getting to the point where there's only going to be four games left, so may as well throw them in there and see see what they got. You have that luxury. I mean, there really haven't been many long-term lost time injuries that have forced you to step guys up and you know, you think of some of these freshmen that are on the fence, a guy like Ty Robinson, who's pretty good, but Nebraska had such depth on the defensive line, they didn't have to play him. And Ramir Johnson's not seen a lot of work. And maybe as Nebraska tries to spark a running game that's not done a lot, maybe he's a guy who can provide that spark. Yeah, it'll be interesting to find out what they can add all of them you know at that point of the year too they're almost not freshmen anymore with the with the amount of time they've been learning and practicing so some of the quotes from head coach scott frost earlier today this is the nebraska volleyball radio show right here on the husker sports network audrey alford outside and a big rip over there by morris not down jack back right side johnson gets blocked by lapsy soon Johnson blocked by Lexi, and Nebraska prevails on the longest rally of the season. With Husker head volleyball coach John Cook. Audrey Alford outside, and a big rip over there by Morris, not down. Jack back right side. Johnson gets blocked by Lexi Soon. Johnson blocked by, and Nebraska prevails on the longest rally. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor. Nebraska and welcome back inside the Bob Devaney Sports Center Nebraska Innovation Campus. It is a Sunday matinee and the Michiganders are back in town. The Wolverines are 12 and 3, 5 and 0 in the conference and here to face your number 5 Huskers. 12 and 2, 5 and 0 in the Big Ten. Serve comes from Megan Miller. That's a nice. Megan Miller with a huge chase. Just what the doctor ordered. That's her 12th of the season. Free ball back, though. Here come the Huskers. Kenzie, Nicklin, middle back. Maddie Kubik, kaboom! Woo-hoo! 
12-11 Michigan. That pass by Jones. Kinsey's got two aces, and we got a tie ball game. Fed right pin, Jazz needs it. Jazz off the block, and it comes off their side of the net. Right into Wetterstrom, she couldn't handle it. Nebraska was six in a row. It's 20-18, Big Red. Nebraska volleyball, Fed left, Capri, kaboom! Woohoo! 22-19, Capri Davis with it. Dent in the Devaney deck, huge hit. Great up by Maddie Kubik outside set, Big Red. Lexi for the set, she got it! Set point, Big Red, 25-21. Huskers trailed 18-14, win it by four. Wow. The fact we came back in game one after struggling so much, made some big plays. We really turned the momentum, got the crowd into it. And then game two was just a good game, but I just felt like we were in control. And then game three, you know, we took it to them. Serves straight ahead to Jones, wants it back, gets it back. Slams from the back row, blocked back by Alexi. She's got back-to-back blocks. More blocks than a preschool. Nebraska's up by 6, 15 to 9. Pass Jones are out of system outside Westra. Ederstrom, great up by Kenzie Knuckles on a free ball over. Michigan sets the middle. Crocker block! Gally Schwarzenberg! Nebraska takes the second set. What a block by the sophomore. Schwarzenberg throws those long arms that never end high in the sky. And then his mom by her teammates. Pass made middle swing. Robinson, another block by Alexi's son. Eight blocks for the bigger end. We got our legs back this week. We had a chance to prepare for both teams. And, you know, our team's understanding the importance of preparation. You get in the right spots. You understand what they're trying to do. And then you can make plays. Now Michigan right to Kurtowski blocked by Kubik. How are they doing this? That's 10 blocks. Here come the Wolverines, those long blue tops. And the slide. Big block by Alexi's son. Robinson gets stuffed by Luxy, who does a jig and gets actually a cautionary word from the floor official. Pass made by Kenzie. Quick launch shoots at Callie Schwarzenbach. Kaboom! She's blocking. She's crushing the volleyball offensively. Big afternoon for Callie. Match point chance number one, Megan Miller. Sails it across. Pass made, Paige Jones. Long shoot set, big rip. Robinson out. Match point. Big Red, 25-14. The sweep is done in Lincoln. Both those teams are playing great. Everybody's fighting for their lives. It's Big Ten Volleyball. Greetings, Nebraska. Oh, I love those horns. Nicely done background music. It's the maestro of the montage. You put that together, Mr. Josh Hilkman. We got the boys in back, Brett and Austin. And yours truly, John Baylor here at the mic tonight for your Nebraska Volleyball Show, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. There's more than one dignitary in the Haymarket in Lincoln, Nebraska tonight, besides John Cook, Axel Rose. Guns and Roses, baby. See I, the crown I, out there? I, I, um, I, I almost just had to pull in the back there and go go to that and skip this. Should you and I try to sneak in? Because <coughs> it's a warm-up oh, yeah. band. Who's the warm-up band over there? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody knows, sort of. Will they, they're going to Will they blow the roof off tonight? Probably. Yeah. I've never seen so many pairs of jeans walking around Haymarket <laughs> in my life. Everybody's jeans, T-shirt, leather jacket. Yeah. Guns and Roses. You got uh, Sweet Child of Mine. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, what are your other Welcome to the Jungle? Yeah. Guns and Roses, classic. They're here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Where are they from? Are they Southern California band? I have no idea. 866-HUSKER-1. This is what you do. You throw out questions, and boom, yeah. people want to show their I can tell you where Pearl Jam's from. but Southern California. The boys are from Southern California, but they they got together in Seattle. How'd that happen? 
um, they were all, uh, well, those guys were up there in Seattle because that's where grunge started. So they were up there playing in Seattle and then they picked up Eddie Vedder who was surfing down in San Diego and the rest is history. 28 years later, I'm still filling your favorite ballparks, Wrigley Field, Fenway. They filled them up this summer. Wrigley Field came up on the broadcast and Lauren wasn't aware that Wrigley Field was daytime-only baseball until, oh. like, the late 80s. Oh. Now, it was, granted, it was before she was born. Yeah. But I was seeing how we had the matinee on Sunday, and I'm thinking, Lexi's son doesn't want to play at night anymore. <laughs> She'd be great at Wrigley. Yeah. So I had to walk through the whole reference. But, uh. but uh, uh, yeah, there's Pearl Jam still going strong. Oh, yeah. And they started up in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember Coach – you ever bring up Pearl's Jam and then not following it with the phrase, the rest is history. Whenever you bring up Pearl Jam, eventually oh. you say, the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. What's your favorite Pearl Jam tune? Uh, it's too hard, too tough too a many. question. Too, the, I think the greatest song ever written, though, and played is Black by Pearl Jam. Maybe we could crank that up during this actual Nebraska volleyball show. Yeah, yeah. But right now, you know, my walk-in song is Nipsey Hustle, Grinding Every Day. Because because we're grinding every day. Nice players love it. So you know I got to relate to them, JB. It's that's their world. I heard that song. He talks about grinding. He he was Nipsey wasn't used to live in L.A. Grinding up, you know, coming up, you know, making money as a rap guy. And and yep. anyway, it's just how hard he worked. And so it's a great song for. Not all the words are great in there, but it's a great message. Uh, f- you know, for our team about Big Ten, man, you got to grind. So. In this context, that word is about working hard. Yes. Okay. Grinding good. every day. Come yes. in and grind every day. No days off. The easy day was yesterday. Because uh, this is, uh, <clears throat> what kind of music do you call that? You call it? Uh, Hip-hop. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes there's some adult content in the, some of those lyrics. There, there are, yeah. And we're okay with that. Yeah, I just cover my ears. Smart. <laughs> yeah, relating to this generation, it, is it a lot more difficult than it was for you when you were closer in age to the generation of players you were? Recruiting and coaching? No. No. You just you adapt. You, you roll. And you adapt. Give me two most significant differences between the athletes of the early 90s at Wisconsin and the athletes at Nebraska. Here we are 27 years later. Yeah. Well, there was no cell phones back then, so they actually talked. So, yeah. That'll so, date us. We yeah. back then used to uh, talk. Yeah. 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 That would be one thing. Uh, second thing is I, I think um, the – this generation is way more sophisticated. I don't know if they're any more mature. They're just more sophisticated about everything because there's, you know, they got a lot going on. Everything's planned out for them. Back in Wisconsin, I mean, those days back in college, I mean, it was go to college, party, play volleyball. You know, I don't seem like life was more simple. Mm. We didn't have life skills and, you know, go to this and these tutors and do this and do that. And all these classes you got to go to and compliance. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure I even ever heard of compliance back then. You had you compliance. Know, but you got all these meetings and all this stuff, you know, uh, career night. And, you know, you didn't have – it was just play volleyball, party at go Wisconsin, to go to school, and have a good time. And, and um, now there's just – like I say, it's way more sophisticated. Were, are players now more fragile than they were back then, more complicated? No, I think I think the difference is, uh, and this is getting deep sports psych here. I think this generation doesn't deal with failure as well as the generation back then because 
they I don't know they had many expectations and it was just kind of get to, I mean because you know it was still relatively new female sport playing volleyball so these are new athletes to it and you know if you remember if you read my book how I got into coaching volleyball was they said we need somebody to coach all these girls sports you know I didn't want to coach girls sports but that's kind of how it started so it took I think women a while to learn how to compete and now of course they're great they're great competitors and you know we have some really great competitors but but I, and I think back then um I probably um I think they were learning how to compete but they don't take failure quite as well now, this, is that- this generation doesn't because I think they've had everything handed to them so one of the things we try to develop is is more grit tougher you know, we call it mental toughness, but be able to, you know, stay in the moment, not let things bother you. And, and I think this generation has, you know, when things aren't going well, they don't, they don't know how to really fight through that. And that's what we got to try to do as coaches and is help them learn how to fight through things. Is that also perhaps, Coach, because to get to Nebraska volleyball, you have to be elite. And if you're elite, you rarely experience at least athletic failure. True. And on the every, everybody's, everybody in our team was a great player in sure. their high school. So they're all great and so you, you come here now and I think that's another good thing John about the multi-sport athletes so if you look at the Christina Hotelings the Danny Busbooms Sarah Pavins uh, um, you know the multi-sport athletes they've learned how to adapt better because when you're in track you're in basketball you're in volleyball uh, Sarah played badminton I mean you're learning how to fail in different areas and you're learning how to compete in different areas in different ways and again, I like Kitty and Amber Rawson told me, and I've heard this from, I think from Jordan, the most nervous they, they ever were playing wasn't volleyball. It was state track. That's the most nervous they, they've ever been. Because it was so individualistic. I, I, never, I never did track, so I don't yeah. know. But they said that's, you know, it's track. It's yeah, a 100-yard dash, 300-meter yard, or you're going to, you know, run until you throw up in the 800. You know, so you know what's coming, and, and you got to compete and push. And so they have always talked about how nervous they get mm. for state track. Plus, track in the spring in Nebraska is almost as big as football in the fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, these small towns, track yeah. in the spring. Whew. You got a track meet, school shuts down at 11 a.m., everyone in the bus, let's go. Yeah. We got to win the triangular. Yeah. <laughs> 866 Husker, what? 866-487-5371. A big past weekend, especially defensively for the Huskers, in four over Michigan State, in three against Michigan. You know about that. What you may not know about is number 20, Purdue, arrives tomorrow night. Late start, 8 p.m., so it's going to be late night with the Big Red. We'll have it for you at 7.30. And then Saturday night, off to the nation's capital as the Huskers face Maryland, and that will get started central time at 7 o'clock on the road. To start us off, the Nebraska Volleyball Show, Ron in Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi, Ron. Great to have you on the Nebraska Volleyball Show. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Uh Coach, um, I think it was in the one of the emeritus uh, matches, I think it was against Denver, that uh, Callie Schwarzenbach that night got uh, several kills where she was really elevated and her kills were coming down near the 10-foot line and she had so much velocity on them. Now, along, my question has to do with that. She, it appeared that she got, from where I'm sitting, almost perfect sets. Now, I know Nicklin's running all over the court uh, in many games trying to respect the height of the set or the tempo between the setter and the hitter or the distance from the net. Is there one of those that's uh, more important 
than the other. And um, yeah. with that in mind, then does she, Nicklin also have to take into account whether it's Callie or Jazz or Lauren or Lexi or whoever's uh, in there? Um, does she have to adjust each of those based on who's receiving that for the kill? And then the last thing related to that is, do you, do you rate those sets uh, after a game as to whether they were great, good, or adequate, but keeping in mind the pass that Nicklin got to even begin to set. So that's kind of the area I'd like you to discuss, if you would. Yeah, great questions. Uh, first of all, the connection between the middle and the setters, very important. It's a combination of the pass being in a good spot to get the setter where they can put a good set to the hitter. Then the timing has to be good. And one of the problems that we've had is the timing hasn't been good because uh, Callie's not consistent. So then Nicklin's trying to fi figure out where she is. So if they're late, most of the time they're late, then the setter has to guess and set. And that's when you see the misconnects and tips and things like that. When they're up there, it's easy. The setter can fire it. They can hit it. Now, you need a good pass for the setter uh, for the for the setter, uh, uh, so the middles can be set. And one of our goals this year is to set our middle attack more. So we're trying to, and so Nick to force it sometimes maybe when it's not there. But, you know, we're work in progress. We're developing that, and that's something we want to do. And Kelly's got to learn how to deal with when the set's not perfect, and that's something that she's learning. Lauren, on the other hand, can deal with a tough set uh, much easier. She's older. She's more experienced. So... Uh, those are all the combinations of all the things. And yes, we watch video all the time and we go through the sets and, um, you know, uh, with, with Nicklin and showing her, um, you know, this is what we want to look like. This is, this is what we can do better. And, and so, yes, there's constant evaluation. And again, it's just a fine line. It, uh, you know, it's, a. um, you know, like in football, if you're running the option, it's, you know, sometimes the pitch is there, sometimes the pitch is off, the timing's off. You know, it's very similar to that. But it's critical that your attacker is consistent in her timing. So it's yeah. predictable. And you're saying the approach for Callie is, some, is sometimes inconsistent? Or yeah. The leap or the yeah, she doesn't judge when the pass is going to get to Nicklin because we're trying to go what we call zero tempo, which means she's literally in the air when Nicklin sets it. Now, if she's late then it's hard for the setters to see them. So, uh, so then they have to kind of guess and lob it or hang it, or, and that's, that's part of our problems. And then sometimes the pass is really fast, and she'll try to set middle, but the middle's going to be late. So, again, it's a, it's a combination of three things, the pass, the setter getting a good spot, the hitter being in the right spot and on time. Is Lauren much more advanced in being in the yes, right spot? Yes, yes. And Lauren's also a great athlete. So the greater the athlete you are, the easier it is to adjust to a tougher set. And, she, you know, and that's why you see, you know, some of these great middles where, you know, Allison Weston and um, Amber Rolfson, those guys are great athletes, so they don't need a perfect set. And uh, Lauren Stevens is last weekend, 24 kills and 35 swings, just yeah. one error. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Here's Dave and Lincoln. Dave, great to have you on the Nebraska Volleyball Show. Hey, thanks. Uh, good evening, guys. I, I know uh, Husker Athletics just had a big announcement uh, today about uh, the football playing over in Ireland in a couple years, and I, I think that, you know, Coach Cook is always trying to grow volleyball. I think we need to have a volleyball match in uh, Dublin, Ireland, either the day before or the day after. <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. Genius. I'm on it. I love it. I'm on it. Let's go play Notre Dame in Dublin. That would be 
I'll, I'll be making a call tomorrow. I love it. That would be awesome. You're, you're I wonder if they even have volleyball in Ireland. We're bringing it there. Yeah. And Husker fans always travel. Yeah. And uh, football's there already. That's a heck Double of an dip. idea. I wonder how we could do that. Let's, wow. Let's call Notre Dame. Yeah. They'd be perfect. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I'll plant that seed tomorrow. You guys call Bill Moose on his show tomorrow night, I think, is when he's on. Say, let's it. do it. We'll du- double in. header. We'll squeeze in on the football plane. So, JB, you remember in 2000. Very well. At Notre Dame. And our football team was playing Notre Dame. And do you remember what Notre Dame volleyball did to avoid our fans watching? They scheduled us starting at halftime of the football game because they didn't want all of our fans to come in. Now, we put a beat down on them because our team was – we were ticked off, not happy. And it was a great football game, but as soon as it was over, man, all the Husker fans came in and just – I think they caught, like, the very very tail end of the third game. Wasn't much left. Yeah. But – I was, and I told the Notre Dame coach, you, Debbie you, Brown, you should, whether it's our fans, your fans, it's still great for volleyball. This yeah. is back in 2000, you know, it's not like everybody had big Let's crowds. Build the sport. Let's yeah. grow the pie. Yeah. So anyway, that we can, that would be great. Notre Dame in Ireland, Huskers. That would be, that's a great I'm idea. In, I'm looking into hotels during the break. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. All right, fellas, uh, there's a lot of personality in this one. Definitely no right and wrong answer uh, on where you want to go. But uh, any city you want, any city you would have interest to go watch Husker football. It can be because of a stadium, because of the sights and sounds of the city, because of easy travel, whatever it is. Everything's on the table here tonight. Yeah, it's a little wild, and it probably reflects small-mindedness by me that I've only got four international cities. The rest are American. Some people would call that patriotism. <laughs> Some people probably would. Uh, looking forward to finding where, where those are. Austin, are a lot of these places ones that you just conceptualized today or places that you've wanted to visit in your life? This is a lot of bucket list. See, I don't have a single U.S. city. I went all international. Mm. I, I thought big time here. There are plenty of places Nebraska will get for bowl games and whatnot, but I went all international with my list. Okay, I'm, I'm split. I'm 50-50. Uh, five here in the home, homeland, five international, and, and you'll see why. Austin, why don't you start us off tonight? All right, thanks. All right, number 10 for me. Cape Town, South Africa. It's coastal. It's got beaches and views. It'd be new for everyone. I think the novelty factor would be fun. Uh, bring football to Africa. Get another culture, just a whole lot of new stuff to experience. That whole novelty factor. I think that'd be a fun place to go. So do they have much of a like a like soccer infrastructure, like stadiums and, and all that? Yeah, there's there's some of that soccer stuff going on. That's probably where it'd be like similar to Mexico City where you play in a place like Estadio Azteca, something like that. So the infrastructure is definitely there for a game. Okay. All right, my number ten staying in America, Boston. Not Foxborough, Boston. Play it at Fenway Park. See, I thought you were anti-football and baseball stadiums. Normally I am, but <laughs> but to get to Fenway Park Yes, please. Yeah. I, I want to see the city. I want to see the park. I want to see the people. Yeah, sign me up for Boston. Let me ask you this. Uh. What if – would you still want to do it if for some reason uh, it was a situation like we had at Wrigley where you could only play in one end zone? Sure. 
Wow. One time. One time. Yep. My mind is blown right now. I, it, is, is Fenway Park the only park that you would allow that? Yes. Okay. And I think they've redone Wrigley. They, they have. But to, where, to where you can go both ways. So, yeah, Fenway, just because of the history and all of that, I mean, you could, we know you can play at AT&T Park because they played football there. Like, those three places are the three baseball stadiums to shoehorn a football field on that are worth it. Not Tropicana Field? Not quite. Okay. I can't wait to see how far up your list Oco is. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll get there. Coming soon. Uh, all right, my number 10, and Brett would be so proud of me. He's not here. But this would, this would probably be number one on his list. Um, Josh or Austin can correct me if I'm wrong. I've got Barcelona here at, at number 10. Uh, I've never been to Spain. I don't have a huge desire to go to Spain, but you know, to see some of those soccer, it would be in one of those soccer stadiums that hosts one of the most popular soccer teams in the world. Um, I think I think it would, that would be really cool. So I'm all about um, Spanish food, Spanish cuisine. I think it's, it would be a decent little trip, and obviously the stadium would be really cool too. So I've got Barcelona at number 10. I stick on uh, the uh, European Peninsula for my number nine here. I've got St. Moritz, Switzerland. Plenty of Olympics here. Whoa. Infrastructure is all in place. The climate in late August would be like, you know, upper 50s to lower 60s. So great football weather, plus mountain views in the background, climbing and hiking on the off days, chocolate. It's got it all for me. You had me at chocolate. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, once you said Swiss chocolate, I have been into a real authentic Swiss uh, chocolate store. When we went, the team went there for Italy, we, we went over there, and, yeah, it's legit. It, it would be worth it is what yes. you're saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number nine just is cosmopolitan and beautiful College Station, Texas. <laughs> I want to go back there so bad since they redid Kyle Field. That place looks awesome. It was awesome when Nebraska was down there in the Big, Te- in the, uh, big 12 days. I want to go back. I want it. Okay. Nate wants to go to College Station. Um, my number nine is a place I've been to a whole bunch, but I would love to go there for Husker football. And any chance I, I get to go to here, uh, I am taking advantage of. Uh, I'm just going to put Phoenix slash Glendale. It's basically the same place. Uh, I don't care. Play it in the Cardinals spaceship. Play it at ASU. Play it in Tempe. Play it at uh, play it at Chase Field. They've done that. The Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. I don't really care. It just mm. just take me to Phoenix. Especially in December. I'm okay with that. The Phoenix of Europe is my number eight, Athens, Greece. More sold on it for the history and being in a Mediterranean climate more than anything. Not a big Greek food guy, but I might grow to love it over there. I'm just a history nerd. It's one of my things. So I'd like to see even Nebraska football in Athens in a soccer stadium. Sign me up for some Euros. I'd be down with that. Uh, my number eight, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Wow, you're going international on yeah, this Yeah, finally busting off the continent. Just you got to think the stadium would be pretty nice because of the soccer influence. Uh, the weather would be great. So Rio de Janeiro. Okay. My number eight, uh, I've never been there. Uh, okay, I have been there. I was there for about 24 hours. Uh, but I, I need to see more of the city. I'm going Miami. You know, take mm-hmm. me, take me to the Orange Bowl. Get me down into the Coral Gables area, you know, wherever. You know, take me, take me to Miami for a game. Ah, but only 35,000 people would show up? How do you know? Husker fans would travel better than that. That's true. That's true. 
Number seven for me is also one I think that Brett would like, the homeland of Lionel Messi. I'm going to Buenos Aires, Argentina for my next Husker football game. Never been to South America, and I'd get to pay homage to uh, Manu Ginobili, one of my favorite basketball players of all time. You're a Ginobili fan? I love Manu. Oh, my gosh. Boom. What is happening? How can you not like Manu? He's so much fun. No. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out on him. <laughs> no, well, I'll enjoy you. my trip to Buenos Aires, and you can stay here. Okay. There you go. Uh, my number seven, uh, a place just as exotic, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I want to go to Lambeau Field. I want to see that place. Give me Green Bay. You would love Lambeau Field. Oh, God. I my can... first NFL game was a Bears-Packers Monday night game at Lambeau. Ooh, Yes. And Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone in the first half, and then I had to watch Seneca Wallace play quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Did you enjoy your experience all the same? I enjoyed it very much. Um, So those Packer fans out there that have been to games at Lambeau, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One of the hot spots to tailgating at Lambeau is caddy corner from the stadium at a funeral home. (laughs) Like literally caddy corner from the stadium. That's awesome. That's that's very – uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin is what that is. Yes. I have family that, that lives around the Green Bay area. So, uh, My number seven, and I can't believe this is on my list because I am so anti-bringing a team here, London. Mm. We, we, it's proven that it works. They've got the stadiums. Uh, it's, I've got a friend that lives there. It's a, it's a city that I would love to visit. And, yeah, I mean, it would just be – it would be e- easy to, to conceptualize and put a couple college teams there. I'm all about it. Take me to London for a Husker game. And I don't have to learn another language. That's true. <laughs> you don't. You wouldn't at any of these places anyway. Well, that's true. <laughs> you do have to cut through the accent, though, as you would if you went to my number six location, Sydney, Australia, mostly just for the vacation around the game. Pardon me, they've done football there before, but give me beaches and swimming and snorkeling and it'll be fun. All right, my number six, and I've actually got to experience a Husker football game here, but sign me up for another one, Seattle. I loved that trip, Uh, and, of course, that was to Husky Stadium on the banks of Lake Washington before they redid it. I loved that place before they redid that stadium. They've redone it, extensive renovations. I'm fine with going there. I can go to CenturyLink Field, but I'd probably rather go to the Huskies, to uh, Husky Stadium. So Seattle, my number six, loved it. Got to make two trips there in the space of a year and want to go back badly. All right. My number six, and it, obviously it would mean good things if the Huskers played here. Take me to the take me to the Sugar Bowl. Ooh, yeah. Take me to the Big Easy. I think I could probably have a a relatively fun evening on Bourbon Street. <laughs> um, it's a good thing that the Sugar Bowl is a night game. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would be I would be all for that. I, man, that's it's a bucket list item to have the Huskers play in the Sugar Bowl and go down to New Orleans for a game. It's been 30 years, and boy, that that clock needs to stop. Yes, and I would like to be involved in the clock stopping. Yes. All right, number five for me is the only place on my list I've been to. I've been on to some places that have already been mentioned, but Mexico City. I know Estadio Azteca was rough last year, moving that Chiefs-Ram game back up here, but I love Mexico City. I'd like to go back and just explore a little bit more. I'm not necessarily familiar with it, but I've maybe navigate my way around. I just think it'd be fun to play a football game there, plus they have the infrastructure. You went to – your softball team went to Mexico. 
Uh, Puerto we, Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, yeah. What would you think of that? It, it really went well. We stayed on a resort. Um, the ballpark was not far away, kind of in a neighborhood. Everything worked. It, it wasn't the setting as some of our tournaments. But, you know, the ballpark was fine. The facilities were good. Somehow we stayed connected. And then <laughs> we, we were at a resort, which was awesome. So, yeah, I had a great time. How, so was that a round robin? How yeah, many it, teams went there? I think it was six teams because it was BYU, Oklahoma, Auburn, uh, Washington. I'm missing one, I think. But – and there were really good teams. Nebraska yeah. didn't win a game down there, but – it was an awesome experience, even if the Huskers didn't play all that well. Nice. All right. My number five, Ben, you had them at seven. This is where I have London. Want to see it. I, I think it'd be a fun city just to, to tool around in and see the sights. So, yeah, London. I would love five. to see you standing next to one of those guards with the hats that don't move. <laughs> yes. Put you in one of those costumes. Yes. What are <laughs> those people called? I, I don't know either, but I, I would steal his hat. Yeah. Would you? I, I, I would try, and I'll, then I'd be beaten. I, I would kind of want you to, like, mimic him. You know, go <laughs> put on your own outfit and stand next to him. I think that would be funny. Uh, my number five, very similar to my number six, and it would be a great thing if the Huskers got here. And it has really nothing to do with the city itself, but the game would be an experience of a lifetime. Pasadena, California. Ooh. Put me on the Rose Bowl turf, that pristine grass. Oh, man, get the goosebumps just thinking about that. I mean, as, See that rose painted at the 50? Oh, baby. I mean, as a child of the Big 8, I always poo-pooed the Rose Bowl, but when Nebraska went out there in the, teen, you know, the early teens, you, you look around and you go, oh, my God, this is something. Mm -hmm. it, it was pretty cool. All right, are those soldiers with the hats for back to the London called the Queen's Guard. Queen's Guard, yeah. Ah, okay. I go from Queen's Guard to Mounties up in Toronto, Canada. This is a bucket list city of mine. It just sounds so cool. I want poutine, and they already have a football stadium there. Might yeah. even play Canadian rules football. <laughs> sure. I like it. And hopefully the Maple Leafs are at home. You can catch one of their games. My number four, South Bend. I, so many stories about Nebraska's trip out there. I want the Huskers to go back in my lifetime. A little foreshadowing. We'll hear about South Bend, Indiana, and that Husker trip here in a little while with uh, with John Anthony. My number four, Nate. You had at number six, Seattle. Give me some fish. Take me to Space Needle. It's a, it's maybe the number one city in America that I want to go visit right now. It's worth your time, no yeah. doubt about it. Top three time, number three for me, Berlin, Germany. I feel like you get a lot of good fans again playing a soccer stadium, and I haven't really had a whole lot of German food in my life. This is another city I want to go to sometime, and Husker football would be the cherry on top of it. Great minds think alike. I've got Berlin at three. I remember when they had the World League during the spring, and the Rhine Fire played in Germany, so they like football too. Yeah, Berlin, number two. Uh, number three. Or number three, I'm sorry. My number three has nothing to do with Berlin, and it's probably about as far away from Berlin as you could get in terms of uh, just style and overall culture. Take me to Dubai. Whoa. I think Dubai. I don't, I'm, see, that, I've heard mixed things about Dubai. It's a, it's a place that I would really want to go. I heard like the, there, there are parts of it that are terrible, but there is, there's golf tournaments there. The weather would be hot and tolerable. Um, Tremendous golf courses. Yeah, take me to Dubai. Very futuristic. You're signing up for the noon tea time out there, aren't you? I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, number two for me, Ben, I have to defer to you on this one, Rome. I feel like Rome would be a really fun place to go, you know, eat a lot of pasta, see a lot of history, all sorts of cool sights, and I'm envious of your basketball trip. Rome would have been on my list had I not been there a few months ago. Oh, yes. Uh, Austin, you had my number two at number six. This is where I've got Sydney. I like Australia. I think the weather would be good. You'd probably be on the water. Yeah, Sydney, number two. I've got number two, uh, Sydney as well, Nate. I've got a, a friend that lives out there. I'd love to, love to visit him, and I'd love to uh, experience that Australian lifestyle. Oof, nice. All right, topping my list, Ben, you started yours off with it. I've got Barcelona up here for me, a place I don't know a whole lot about. be fun to walk around. It's right on a beach, too. Yeah, that would be nice. I want to go to Baton Rouge, number one. Give me Ooh, the yeah. Tigers. Go Saturday night in Death Valley would be awesome. That would be that would be epic. My number one, and it's going to sound stupid. I got Dublin at number one. <laughs> My wife and I have wanted to go here for years, um, and it's it's amazing that it's actually going to happen. Heck. So I'm all about it. I am all in on this Dublin trip. Hey, I don't mind it. I'm pretty excited about it too. It's a great excuse to go to Europe. Yeah, a lot of fun. So there it is. Top ten cities to host a Nebraska football game. What do, you, what do you think? 866-HUSKER-1, the number, 866-487-5371. we got more Sports Nightly coming up. Stanley Morgan, former Husker, joins us next. Big news of yesterday and today, Nebraska football going overseas to play the Illinois Fighting Illini in Dublin, Ireland on August 28th, 2021. And we had the press conference earlier today at West Stadium, and I was lucky enough to sit down with John Anthony of the Irish American Events Limited. Helps organize these types of trips. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes. Just started out by asking him where this all started, the idea of Nebraska going overseas to Ireland. Well, if I really want to be honest, it started the first time I saw the Sea of Red in South Bend, Indiana in 2000. So ever since then, it's been in my mind that uh, we've got to get Nebraska in a situation where uh, we can take advantage of that and, and everybody can benefit from it in a, in a more, uh, you know, unique uh, opportunity. So that fast forward then, as we started putting games on in Ireland, it's always been a, a dream of mine to get Nebraska there. And then it really kicked in in 2017 when uh, our sponsors in Ireland uh, stepped up to a higher level of support that allows us to get a bigger game like this. And then, of course, you come to Bill Moose, and what was his reaction? You know, I, I know he's very innovative in the way that he thinks, as we know here in Nebraska, but that those preliminary conversations with him, how did they go? I think Bill was, uh, he was certainly intrigued and interested, but yet he was so new here that he was, uh, he was uh, thoughtful. He didn't want to step out too quickly and do something dramatic that wasn't going to be welcomed by the Husker Nation. So, uh, and, and there's a lot of moving parts, as you know, to get something like this done. So besides what they're talking to me about, it's what do they have to do with the rest of their schedule. Um, and then even more importantly, it's the other side of the equation with Illinois. And um, having a team that's, finding a team that's willing to give up a home game is not easy. And real credit to Josh Whitman in Illinois for for seeing the value of this for their program and all the reasons, a lot of things we heard today from Coach Frost and from Bill Moose, we heard yesterday from Lovey Smith and from Josh Whitman. Um, but it's a harder call for them because it's their home game. You know, I felt like when I called Bill, I I felt like I was calling Bill with a Christmas present. You know, I have just gotten, uh, you know, we, we've just worked this out with Illinois. They're willing to move their home game, which means they could be giving up a home field advantage. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we're willing to cover all the expenses to get you over there. So I thought, you know, as a, as a visiting team, this is really, uh, you know, Christmas in August. Uh, and Bill, Bill was very, as you said, he's innovative. He was very interested, but he wasn't, he didn't do anything quickly. They were very thoughtful about this. Um, we probably went through three calls with his executive team talking about all the details and logistics before he, he, he came back and said, okay, we'll get Coach Frost on, on this for the next call. And, and that's where the you know, decision will get made after that. And, and now, now we're today where the well, I guess yesterday technically the announcement uh, was came. Let's let's back up to your first game in, in Ireland. The response from the Irish people of, of college American football. What was it? <laughs> uh, confusion. Yeah, the Irish have no idea what's going on in our game. They love the bands. They love the razzmatazz, as they call it. They love all the pageantry around it. But the game itself makes no sense to them. Um, they, the happiest people are the concessionaires because our game takes twice as long as any game they've ever attended. So we've set, we have set concession res, re, uh, records uh, at the stadium with all of our games. Uh, beer consumption is the highest they've ever had for a game. Uh, besides, you know, they, besides the fact that they don't understand why we play for seven seconds and then stop for 40 seconds and play for four seconds and stop for 40 seconds, which is quite frankly baffling to all sports fans except for those of us in america that that's all we know um we break at the quarters we have halftime this is just a boon for concessionaires so that they talk about that a lot the stadium loves it the irish people think it lasts last lasts way too long so they may not make it all the way through four quarters um but the whole spectacle of it is so far beyond anything they grasp that's what they show up for they're really they're really just uh um, amazed at the whole spectacle and obviously the reception's great because they want to keep coming back and have this keep coming back for you what's that like to to keep and, and you know to keep it fresh here in America you know get different teams over there but at the same time you know stick to what's working over there yeah there's no better feeling uh, our company's uh, purpose we say we exist to help people experience and enjoy the world and these things are hard I mean all work is hard for everybody, right? Uh, but it's something we love. It's something that, that is a win, 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 win. There is no loser from any side of this. The student athletes, it's a win. The university, it's a win. Uh, the fans, it's a win. The uh, country of Ireland, it's a win. Everybody wins in this. Uh, but there's a lot of hard work that gets done. And, and I make a point with these games in Ireland uh, to promise myself that when the game starts, uh, the, the people around me who have worked for this, especially hard for this, we will make sure we are standing on that field and looking as many faces as we can in the stands, on the field, everybody, particularly right before kickoff, um, before it gets you know really hard for the players. But, but seeing the players when they're running out on the field, seeing the fans going nuts, you know, through the streets of Dublin. Dublin is a it's, it's really the perfect city for something like this. It's comparable to a, a New Orleans, Indianapolis, San Antonio, as far as the cities in America that are great hosts for major sporting events because it's a really intimate, compact downtown where everybody, everything's pedestrian, everybody walks everywhere. So you get into Dublin, it's a major European capital city, but yet it feels like, it's to the Nebraska fans, it's going to feel like you are in Omaha because you will be bumping into thousands and thousands uh hopefully probably tens of thousands of nebraska fans um all decked out in red you know we were telling the irish earlier this week they'll have never seen more red in their country than what they will this week but the fans 
it's just it's magical. It's it's hard to it's hard to put into words what the experience will be, um, but it will be unlike anything they've ever done. And obviously, we want to let you go by by talking about the Husker fans and how excited you are to see this kind of manifest itself. Uh, earlier this year, we had a game against Colorado where it's probably 60% red. You talked about the the game in South Bend at at Irish Stadium. Now, now to kind of put this to the test, what's your anxious anxious level to see? What type of Husker fans show up over there? <laughs> well, the, the first 24 hours, uh, as I mentioned in the press conference, have been record-setting. So we've sold we've sold more packages in the first 24 hours to Husker fans than we ever have to any one school. Um, and so that's why I'm issuing the challenge. There were 28,000 Notre Dame fans in 2012 that went to Ireland for their game against Navy. Uh, I think Nebraska can top that. So let's let's see. 29,000 Nebraska fans in Ireland. I think I think there might be that. John, congratulations, man. This is so cool, and I know to finally have this out, probably a big relief for you. Uh, we hope this goes well, and next time we see you, it might be overseas. Let's do it. We're looking forward to it. Thank you. Final hour of the night here on Sports Nightly. Final segment of the show before we say goodnight. Nate, did you happen to see Monday Night Football officials last night and how bad that they were? I didn't see it, but I, I've not heard many good reviews, Ben, and it's been a rough year. At least year from Lions, anybody, if, if you're a Packers fan, you're giving glowing reviews. Right. Those guys acted in cosmic justice, but if you're anybody else, you're going, what the hell are they doing? Hands in the face. You've put your hands in, in, in the face of me. Uh, as many times tonight as the Lions did it to the Packers, and you weren't called for flags, and they were. <laughs> hey, you know what? They just like me better. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, hopefully you like the show tonight. If not, we'll try again tomorrow, make it better. Uh, thanks, man. It was fun. Hey, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Austin Norman. Thanks to Josh Hilkman. Thanks to all of you for listening. Back with you with another edition of Sports Nightly tomorrow night. Greg Sharp, back in the chair tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Have a good night. <laughs>